How is everybody doing out there? It is February 5th, 2021. Today here in Wisconsin, we just got dumped on with a ton of snow. And it's beautiful. It is beautiful. Let's be honest. We need to choose perspective here. We have to choose to see the beauty. What's not quite as lovely is the cold that has come with it. But I was outside last night working, getting the animals and the farm all set and ready for today while it was still warmish. It was in the 20s, high 20s. It was beautiful. It was snowing. Got a ton of work done, preparing for what was next and what was to come. And while doing all the work, it was absolutely beautiful. So knowing that all of that is done, I can now just look outside and enjoy the beauty. We have icicles everywhere. All the pine trees, everything are covered in snow. And I just love it. Now, I will have to still go outside and check the animals. I may not like that as much, but I know it'll be short and sweet because of all the prep work done ahead of time. There's so much satisfaction, I find, in getting just a bunch of that prep work done. Like, have you ever done a freezer meal party? Oh, I love these. Where you get together and you make, like, each person makes one recipe, but you multiply that recipe by however many people are participating. So you can, like, spend the day and just work your butt off all day and make a million meals. But when it's over, you're like, yes, look at everything we've accomplished. Like, you feel so accomplished. And then you put all of these meals in your freezer, and then you sit down and you're like, oh, And now it's offering me a little bit of peace and a little less stress because now I know what I'm going to have for dinner. A smart person would spread that out. Say, I know what I have. I have backups for dinner for like the next four months. And I'd be like, oh, I know what we're having for dinner for the next eight days. (laughs) So it may not last long. You might be able to make it last longer by actually planning meals in between. But it's also just so appealing. You're like, hmm, I know I have a freezer full. I don't really have to think. I can rest on what I've already accomplished back here. And it'll make life easier in the next coming weeks. We are reading through the Bible in a year without a plan. We're winging it. And I'll be honest, I'm behind on my own plan. But I'm going to keep moving forward and attempt to catch up. (laughs) So last week we were supposed to read the book of Genesis. I'm not done with it yet. And the two weeks before that we were reading through Psalms. Also not done, but I am getting there, people. But I'm still going to layer on the next one, and we're going to go to the book of Matthew. So if you are doing this alongside with me and you are on task, well done. I know it's still the beginning of the year, right? We should still be pretty motivated, (laughs) at least until April. Book of Matthew. Let's add that on. And there's a reason that I wanted to put Genesis and Matthew together, because I want to talk to you all about family God's family, where we are in that mix, and then what that looks like for us in the here and now, which we see in Matthew, and that just calls us into discipleship. So in Genesis, even if you haven't read it this past week, I'm sure you know the story of creation, where God brings mankind here on earth, and he creates them as the pinnacle of his creation, And then he plants a garden. He brings them into this garden where he can dwell with them all day and every day. Maybe something we don't think about often enough, but something very important to remember is that God was dwelling in the heavens with heavenly beings before the creation of this world. There was a divine council. There was family, the spiritual family. There were beings already going on in the unseen realm that we don't get to peek into all that often, but scripture does let us see 
a lot more than we think we do if we pay attention. We know that angels had fallen, right? We know that there were heavenly beings. I'm not going to call them angels because that's actually not the right term for them. Angels is like a job. It's a messenger. It's one of the things that these divine beings would do. So they're not technically all angels, but maybe that's just easier to say. There had been free choice, right? We see in scripture, we see Lucifer. We see others choose to turn away from God and be their own God and want to be bigger and greater than him. There was division in the heavens before the creation of the earth. So fast forward to the creation of man. And God's like, all right, I'm going to do this again. I'm going to create man, and they're going to be my family. They are going to glorify me. And even with this plan in place, God knew that we were going to fail. And he already had a plan put together of how to redeem us when that failure happened. I mean, he just saw it. It already happened in the free will of the heavenly beings in the heavens. There were battles in the heavens. And there is a battle here on earth, and it's a battle for our hearts. The serpent, most likely a divine being who had already fallen and turned away from God, characterized and described as a shifty serpent, right? This is the the villain of the story is in the garden as well. We always think, well, Eve wasn't very surprised to talk to a snake. She must have already had a relationship with that snake. Well, she had that relationship with that divine being, with that personhood, if you want to say, with that angel, however you want to describe it, already had that relationship, and he tempted her and turned her away. He distracted her. He put doubt in her heart. And it happens all the time still with us as his children. So God had to make a way. He put mankind here on earth as it is in heaven, right? Because he wanted a family. He uses family. There is family language all throughout scripture. We know in the New Testament that we're told that we're adopted, right? That we're sons, that we're heirs, that we're part of God's family when we come into that redeeming grace when we accept him as our Lord and as our Father and the gift that he has given us, we are now part of his family. Just like there is in the heavenly realm, there is here. There is struggle, there is war, there is temptation, and there are hearts to be fought for. We see over and over throughout Genesis, we see a flood, and God's like, all right, we're going to try this again, Noah. Here we go. I want a people to worship me, to be part of my family, to praise me. But before Jonah, we know that we see that all men were doing wicked all the time, even in their thoughts. There was nothing good. And then we move forward, and we see people from the east coming in and building the Tower of Babel, thinking that, oh, we can reach God. We can get up there because it's very symbolic for a ziggurat or a mountain. That's where they would meet with their gods, right? Like, oh, we're going to go up and meet with God. We're going to be so big, we're going to meet our own God. But God came down, and he confused them, and he separated them, and he spread them all out into all little nations. And after that, he calls Abraham. Like, all right, one of these nations, my people. The rest, I long for you to be saved but I have a family, a family dynamic that I am making here 
to put together my plan to bring Jesus into this picture at some point, right? To save everyone. But in the meantime, Abraham, you will be my people. You will start this lineage. I'm trying again. And we know that battle goes up and down and all around in the Israelites and the wanderings and the faithfulness and the loyalty and the screw up. Like, does any of it sound familiar? We can, you can be doing so good, feeling super loyal and worshiping and in a really good place. And then you fall into bad habits or you get into old cycles and you're like, we are the Israelites. (laughs) Anybody else read the Old Testament? Like, man, come on, Israelites, get your act together. Like over and over and over, the same thing. Seriously, it can't be that hard. And then I fall into my same cycles of like, really? Am I learning this lesson again? Okay, anybody else? Raise your hand. Yes, we are the same. But God had his plan from the beginning that Jesus was able to come to live his perfect life, to fulfill all sorts of prophecy, to die, to be risen again, to take away our sins, that thing that separated us from God in the garden, that got Adam and Eve booted. He now has taken that barrier away for those who choose to come to him. We become a member of his family. And what's really kind of cool when you think about, especially for the Jewish readers at the time, how important family was and inheritance was and that next generation was, they were the ones that would take on the family name, the family business, the property, the work, all the things were handed down in generation and generation. Family was so important. It was so inclusive. It was a very big picture. It wasn't like, oh, I had another kid. You turned 18, move out and make your way for you. At least, you know, the oldest son really got it good. But the language of an inheritance and of a child and being adopted meant so much to them, as it should mean to us, because we have been adopted as believers. We are now children of the Most High God, and we get to inherit so much. We inherit the fruits of the Spirit. We get to walk with the Spirit living in us every day here on this earth. We inherit so much here on this earth and in eternity, but we also inherit the work the job, the calling, the purpose, which is what, which is why I want us to head into Matthew next. So I want to take you to Matthew 28, verses 18 to 20. This is after the resurrection. This is Jesus talking to the disciples. And in verse 18, it says, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. This purpose, this calling, this kingdom work, a lot of times is the phrase that we use, is to go, therefore, and make disciples. I am in a small group study right now with just a couple other ladies, and we're learning about discipleship. What does that look like? What does scripture tell us about discipleship? We see here that it is a calling. It's the work for all of us as believers to spread that goodness of Eden that happened, right? That's living in the presence with God. All of this inheritance, we need to share that. And we're called to go and make disciples. And that last verse 
verse 20 is a really great encouragement and reminder. And he says, behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Because discipleship can seem, when we hear that word, a little big. Maybe a little like, uh, I'm not ready to disciple someone. Or, or I don't have the time to disciple There are so many reasons that I think we can come up with why we can't disciple. We're not adequate. We don't know enough. Maybe we actually need to be discipled and just need to acknowledge that we could really use some time walking alongside someone else in life. But I think we make discipleship very complicated because it's not something huge or fancy. It doesn't have to be anyway. In the study that we're doing, one of the ladies said, It's not just another thing to add to your checklist. It's just not another thing to do. It's a lens in how we live life. It's how we're looking at all of our current relationships and the people that we are doing life with and how do we come alongside those relationships with purpose to teach, to point back to God, to be vulnerable and even share where we are in our life and the things that we're learning and encourage one another and point people back to Jesus. So when you hear the word disciple or discipleship, what pops into your mind? Do you do you get the eye roll like, oh yes, that word again. Yeah, I know we're supposed to, but I don't have time. Do you feel like, ah, not me. I can't do that. What are the thoughts that pop into your head when you hear the word discipleship? I want you to think about that for a little bit. And then I just want to encourage you, don't forget your kids. When you hear the word discipleship, I think a lot of times we just think big, we think women, we think out, and like I need to commit this amount of time with this many people. That's great. If you can do that, that is great. And I also think that comes in seasons of our life. But don't forget your kids. Do you look at your kids and see you discipling them? Or do you just see them like, no, I'm just getting through another day. We are just making it. We are surviving. Mamas, there are seasons for that. There are seasons of surviving. But every single day as you walk through life, it's this lens, right? It's a perspective to see the relationships, the people, our kids, our families, the friends that we have, as places where we can disciple, where we can encourage, where we can even be discipled. If you feel like you are just drowning and need a little bit of encouragement yourself, a little bit of help. You can go ask people. I know it's like dating. It's like being in high school. Will you be my friend? No, just say, I could really use someone to hold me accountable and to do life with and to encourage me. Can you? Do you know anyone? (laughs) I have put myself out there a couple times. I've been shot down by people too. I'm like, oh, so it is. It's a little scary. You're like, so I've really been told that I could use some encouragement that having a spiritual mentor is a really great idea. I really look up to you. I've learned a lot from you. Would you be willing? And they're like, oh, well, let me um think about that. Or I don't really know if I have margin. Or I'm like, oh, okay. My bad. Never mind. I didn't ask. <laughs> so it happens. It happens. And then there are others that like, I am here for you. Whenever you need. Whenever you need to talk. Whenever you need to work something out. I am here. And we can be that person. We can just be there. We can be present. We can be available you need to talk, wait till my kids go to bed and give me a call. Let's talk. Uh, If there's a coffee shop open near you, I don't know. Not many are actually open. I can think of a couple. Let's grab coffee. Let's sit down. Let's talk. 
it is hard to make time in your life, in your schedules, but also in your brain, right, women? Our brains are busy. They, they might be more busy than we physically are. They just don't stop. So to put another responsibility or so it feels in our head can be very challenging. I want you to maybe remove that responsibility lens. I want to remove the weight of discipleship. I don't want it to be complicated. I want to encourage you that we all have work to do. We've got a lot of it to do. We have a purpose and a calling to do here on this earth as children of God to spread his love and his kingdom. But it does not have to be heavy and scary and complicated. We can do it every single day. And Jesus tells us he is with us to the end of the age, even as we disciple. So I'm really just here today because I want to encourage you to look at life with a lighter lens of discipleship everywhere we go, all the people that we see, because this is our most important work. John 13, verses 34 and 35 says, all, By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. How can you love someone today? It's being his disciple. How can you love people and encourage them today? So I really just want you to sit and think a little bit about discipleship. What could that look like in your life? What sort of season? Be honest with yourself. Answer the question honestly. What do I really think when I hear the word discipleship? Am I annoyed? Does it overwhelm me? And I'm like, oh, that's for older ladies who are more mature. They can disciple the youngers as they get older. Well, that's true. That is what they're supposed to be doing. It's what, but it's what we're all supposed to be doing in the seasons of life where we are. They will know that we are his disciples by how we love one another. How are you loving one another right now? And I'm talking about your family. I'm talking about your friends. I'm talking about your enemies. That's always a hard one, right? So your Friday, your Friday questions for me. I really want you to take some time to sit and think about discipleship and sharing the love of Jesus with everyone. How do you feel about it? Truly in the depth of your heart. Are you driven and motivated by it? Because it's your calling. It is our purpose as believers. We may have others. We may have more in our jobs. But just because you have a calling to one place doesn't mean you don't disciple right alongside of it in your momming, in your working, in your relationships. They will know that we are his disciples by our love. And who in this world right now can't use a little bit more of that?